0: Kevin from the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Today we're going to sit down with Paul from Teeks. He's a wealth of knowledge, and we're going to learn about the defense to response and the Under Fire event that Teeks is hosting going on in 2018. And we hope you enjoy listening.
1: Teeks Products Development Center. This is Paul. Can I help you?
0: Hey, Paul. It's Kevin calling. How are you
1: doing today? Hey, Kevin. Doing great, man. Good to hear from you.
0: You as well. We got you in our Smart Firefighting Podcast. Really excited to have you here.
1: I'm excited to be part of it. So tell us a little little bit about your role with Teeks. So uh, my role as the response technology manager is really to try to bring in the perspective and the view of the first responder to the product development cycle and help the folks at Teaks who have been doing a lot of market research over the years and trying to uh, help de- uh, bring products to market and give them the perspective of what the firefighters, police officers, uh, critical infrastructure folks, uh, and what they're dealing with out there. And obviously I bring uh, pretty decent-sized Rolodex of, of people who are out there doing that and so we have access to those uh, responders to understand exactly what those frontline troops are dealing with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Interesting. And yeah, I know it's quite the ordeal to bring a product to market in this whole process. And so, a little bit about yourself. What what do you do before your role at Teaks? Because I know you're you're a new, newer member there.
1: Right. I just joined uh, joined Teaks full time in uh, September. And uh, really excited about that. I just retired after 26 years from the Frisco, Texas fire department, uh, just north of Dallas and uh, spent uh, my entire firefighting career there, uh, basically working myself up through the ranks. Frisco was one of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. Um, We constantly traded spots with uh, other cities, not only around us, but uh, in Las Vegas and other areas of uh, high growth in the country. And uh, we saw a tremendous population boom that really forced us to use technology to overcome the issues that we had in trying to keep up with that growth.
0: Interesting. With, with some of the growth and adopting technology, what was an example of using technology in your experience while uh, being a fire chief in, uh, as a firefighter in Frisco?
1: So as my, my ultimate role where I retired out of was an, an assistant chief over the support services. And so as you can imagine, you know, trying to keep the frontline troops out there uh, and equipped and ready to go uh, was a constant challenge. And the fact that we were bringing on uh, 10 to 20 firefighters a year there for a few years, uh, trying to open up new fire stations, put new apparatus in uh, service,
0: you know, we had
1: to be able to maintain a a rigorous process of making sure that all the gear that we were buying, not just the fact that we were having to buy new gear every year, but was that the best possible gear we had um, available to us from the market, and making sure that our firefighters who were going out there uh, acting as paramedics and and, and pushing the, the limits on uh, emergency response overall, that they had the best possible gear out there. So a few of the things that we did were developing a testing and and, uh, evaluation process so that we could very rapidly move through uh, equipment. You know, we had a lot of manufacturers that would bring us equipment and and ask us to look at it. And uh, so we had to find a way to do that in a very rapid fashion to understand, you know, how it was gonna impact. Was it ultimately, was it gonna make us safer was it going to make us more effective and was it going to make us more efficient? And when we could answer those three questions uh, in the positive direction, uh, we knew we were on to something. And, uh, and so we put a lot of those uh, things forward. Uh, some of the other things that we worked on was really bringing GIS and uh, geographic information systems to the forefront and putting those in the hands of the first responders, the police officers, firefighters out in the field They had direct access to information that had been gathered uh, pre-incident, and uh, a lot of places call that pre-incident planning. In Frisco, we called it safer situational awareness for emergency response. And uh, the whole idea was to try to give those first responders as much information as we possibly could, as early into the incident as we could, because we all know that you know the first five minutes of an incident will typically dictate. How that incident's going to go for hours beyond that and so making sure our firefighters and our police officers had the best intel they could possibly have rolling into an incident uh was our primary goal with that that project and we did several other things you know we were we were using uh video transmission technology uh back when uh, it was even it was even new to uh to uh the the local media folks you know where you're seeing these guys rolling down the road and they're SUV now, and they're doing live uh, broadcasts from inside there, the technology that's the backbone of that was relatively new when we jumped on board, and uh, we were using it to transmit video back from our thermal imagers and our uh, vehicles, uh, not only to the incident commander, but also we could push that back to our emergency operations center, so our uh, folks who were making sure that they... We had the city covered, and we also had all the resources to that incident. We're seeing video images as opposed to just listening to radio traffic, and uh, we've been doing that for about 10 or 12 years. Um, and now you're starting to see a lot of cities that are using video transmission technology to get those video images back to their uh, senior administration. That's fantastic. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, a, it's been a, it was a great city to be uh, to be able to work for and put in that kind of time, I was really fortunate to have the kind of support from the staff and from the city management and from the citizens themselves that uh, they kept uh, saying okay to some of those uh, bond projects and things that we, that we put together.
0: And I know there's a lot that goes into the adoption of new technology, and some of that's cultural, some of that's it, even with all the new data. Some of the firefighters can be inundated with too much data and not actually practically use it. And it, it seems like you've got a really good understanding of asking that question of, is this the best technology for the firefighter, and, and really testing that, that hypothesis. And now with your role at TEEX, uh what are you doing? Uh, what are some of these the active projects that are, that's going on with Teeks that is working on bringing some of this new technology to
1: the firefighter? Well, one of the, the primary programs that we use uh, to bring in new technology is, uh, our defense to response program. And that's a cooperative agreement with the Department of Defense that utilizes uh, all of their resources to look at defense technologies that have application in the first response world. And so, how do we push those technologies, those things that are being uh, tested and evaluated and used by the warfighter, how do we translate those to law enforcement? Uh, first response uh, critical infrastructure all these different areas where uh, you know it's it's a lot of, it's a lot about bringing that technology to the homeland and, and allowing us to capitalize on that technology uh, to improve our efficiency first of all our safety second of all our, our effectiveness and then third our, our efficiency in uh, in how we do our jobs uh, here in the U.S.
0: And what's an example of taking a defense technology and making the transition to putting that into the fire industry?
1: One of the great examples that we've had has been a company called Protect the Force. And uh, they work in uh, ballistic armor. Uh, They do a lot of uh, varying things in trying to find ways to improve the way that ballistic armor is worn and how it can be worn. And one of the things that has just completely uh, was got me really excited about was they have a, a very flexible, um, high-level uh, ballistic armor that can be worn in inside of, like, a T-shirt that gives the officer or the paramedic or the first responder the ability to um, ha- maintain their dexterity, their, their flexibility, um, and perform the necessary functions of their job but still have a reasonably high level of protection uh, while they're doing that job and so that technology came out of the military and has been transitioned over to first response and they're actively selling that out to law enforcement uh, agencies first responders you know anybody that's interested uh, can can take a look at that uh, technology today and it's uh it's really cool it's lightweight um, it's really flexible, gives, uh, gives a lot of mobility to the wear, and uh, it's, it's really impressive. Because when you compare that to wearing the plate systems that you see today, um, you know, it's not an equivalent armor level, to, you know, to be fair. It's not, it doesn't protect you from a rifle round uh, like a plate would. Um, however, it, in conjunction with a plate, uh, it can provide a much more uh, capable, armor system across the chest uh down the arms up around the neck uh that allow that mobility that a lot of uh first responders who've worn full heavy jacket uh armor systems before know what i'm talking about is it's just it's uh it's incredibly difficult to maneuver in those things heavy uh you're constantly working against the weight of the the material and the and the armor system inside and the protective force system has really done a great job in their Flex uh, Flex 9 armor to uh, improving uh, heat resilience and and stress resilience of the first responder.
0: So, Paul, I got to ask you, why would a firefighter need ballistic armor?
1: Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate thing, and it's one one thing that uh, myself and several of my uh, my coworkers in Frisco we talked about. Several times that we never thought that we would be in a position in our careers to be looking at purchasing ballistic armor for firefighters and paramedics. And uh, the things that we're seeing in the world today um, are just uh, demonstrating the need for our first responders to be able to uh, be protected in an environment which they haven't really had to deal with in great quantity uh, over the years. You know, we're seeing more and more of these active shooter events, uh, these thre- high threat events, um, you know, unfortunately one of our neighbors, the city of Dallas, you know, they had five officers that were killed uh, uh, a while back that uh, put all first responders who were going in, not only that were there when the incident occurred, but also that were going in afterwards to rescue those fire, those police officers and get them out to, uh, to try to save their lives. Uh, those folks need protection as well, and uh, it's it's a day that we certainly had hoped would never come, but it's it's here. And and uh, the folks that were out in Las Vegas, the folks that were down in uh, South Texas, you know, they they need the levels of protection uh, when they're dealing with those active shooting uh, events. That uh, the best protection that we can give them, and hopefully, this technology will be. Uh, improving that process and getting those folks the, the protection that they need
0: yeah its just an unfortunate reality and we live in a world where you really need to be prepared for anything so that, that's good to know that the first responder industry is really adopting this type of uh, technology to best protect our firefighters so
1: uh, yeah it's it's we've we've transitioned over to a world of, of calling you know the fire department and, and first responders you know, an all-hazards response group. And, and unfortunately, when we say all-hazards, it's uh, it means everything, and, and that's one of the things that we've got to be looking at.
0: Yeah. So what's another example of a technology that's being looked at to transition from the military realm to the first responder industry?
1: So another thing that uh, that one of my coworkers is working on right now is um, uh, this is actually one of the, the finalists that – Uh, just completed the application and competition part of our program Um, it's actually a non pyrotechnic uh, flashbang or uh, diversionary device uh, for those that aren't aware of what flashbangs are and uh, it's really cool Uh, it's got the technology inside of it that still allows for that the big explosive explosive um, audible shock to the system um, it's got a a really cool looking set of lights on it that provide that big visual flash um, in low light scenarios that give that disorientation that uh, officers are looking like looking for in, in flashbang scenarios and the technology is just continuing to improve we're working with a research group that has been uh, doing this uh, for a few years now with some of the DOD uh, agencies and trying to get that up to a level where it's comparable to the explosive or the pyrotechnic type uh, diversionary devices. And uh, this device is is really cool. It doesn't uh, doesn't quite reach up all the way to a flashbang. So, you know, officers are still going to rely on those pyrotechnic devices for quite a while, but it does supplement them in areas where they don't necessarily need the entire entirety of a of a pyrotechnic device and it eliminates a lot of the administrative paperwork um, issues that come with trying to maintain an inventory of pyrotechnic devices and it was something that uh, we talking to local law enforcement they were really excited about because they could actually keep more inventory on site with a reusable non-pyrotechnic flashbang and uh, use it for training scenarios and still get that level of realism that they haven't, uh, they haven't had before without having to use the full-on pyrotechnic devices. And, uh, of course, you know, if it's not hurting, if, if, if it's coming in under what you're paying for pyrotechnic devices, your budget's going to like that as well. So uh, that's one of the real cool technologies that we've got. Uh, we've also got uh, another company that's been working with, special operations forces to develop a uh, lighting system for low low light level or nighttime operations uh, when they're trying to triage a lot of different um, uh, patients out on the battlefield. What we found is, is that that lighting system actually gives the capability uh, for a lot of different uses. Um, We talked to police, fire, uh, critical infrastructure folks um, like public works and Uh, traffic engineers and stuff and they have found ways to be able to uh, utilize those lights not just in a triage format but also uh, come up with ideas for utilizing it for target marking for trail marking uh, marking of of different teams out on an incident scene and giving that same level of situational awareness that we've all been looking for over the years that reflective vests and flashlights just don't give you the same Kind of uh, appreciation for what exactly you're dealing with out there. And uh, the third technology that we're using right that we're uh, working with this year is uh, a company called Detectachem. And uh, they actually have a color metric uh, narcotics uh, presumptive test. And one of the things that they've done is they've pivoted that technology to be able to identify when an officer or first responder is dealing with fentanyl and so uh, we're working with them to develop the uh, the product marketing and how to get this out into the hands of first responders in the best way forward Uh, because there's so many concerns about fentanyl out there today and officers being impacted by the quick absorption rates and the high potency of the drug we've got the ability uh, to put a, a test out there that officers and and responders can use to determine whether they have a significant threat and whether they need to take additional protective action. so uh, that fentanyl test is is something that's really desired out there in the industry right now, and so we're working really hard to try to get that out there as quickly as we can. It's been a great uh, program year so far. Uh, these three pro- programs or these three uh, companies that we're working with are really enthusiastic and, and really looking forward to uh, their partnership with Teeks and how we can try to get them out into the field and, and get them in the hands of the first responders.
0: Well, wow. I mean, those are all three really fascinating technologies. And if people wanted to learn more about the defense response program and these three different technologies from the pyrotechnic information or the low-level lights or the de- detective chemical uh, sensor, where could they find more information about that?
1: So right now they can go to keeks, uh, And uh, that has a lot of information about what we do at the Product Development Center and uh, everything that we uh, are working on um, and the different services that we have there. Um, The defensive response program uh, is also on there. It describes the program itself. So companies that are out there and they're interested in how they could potentially turn military contracts or military um, programs that they've been working on uh, into uh, first response programs. Uh, they can learn about how to uh, contact us and get involved in the D2R program. And then uh, as as our program uh, evolves, we'll be putting up more and more information about the three technologies and getting that, uh, getting that word out there. But you can always look for us at the conventions and the uh, expositions that are out there in the different Industries and uh, keep an eye out for that Teeks booth because we're putting those uh, those companies and their technologies in that booth and uh, trying to uh, push that out so that everyone sees what kind of cool stuff we're working at the PDC.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, we're also going to have a link to this in our podcast when we post it, so all the listeners can click Great. there. And as you said, uh, all the different Teeks booths and even some of the industry booths, like the upcoming FDIC show in April. Uh, I'm sure we'll get some good exposure with a lot of these exciting technologies. Um, so just uh, continuing to dig into some of the other work you do at Teaks, I know you're, you, there's a lot going on with the Defense Response Program. What about on the other uh, aspects of the fireside are you working on at Teaks?
1: Well, and this is really one of the cool things that I like about working at the Product Development Center is, you know, any given day somebody can give us a call and say, hey, I'm working on this, uh, on this idea. And I really think it's gonna be a game changer in the fire industry or the EMF industry. And we can start from that point and work with them to try to get them out into uh, a full-blown, full, full uh, commercial-ready product that can go out and make a difference in these different industries. And so every once in a while, we come across um, some really cool technologies but they haven't heard of the Product Development Center before. And so one of the things we try to do is consolidate that effort and, and we've put together a program that's called Under Fire and, and this, this is a response innovation showdown basically. It's a two day event that's gonna happen in College Station March 8th and 9th of 2018. What we're gonna look at is 20 companies from across the nation that are all going to be buying for cash prizes. That, uh, and they have to be pr- uh, companies that are developing or have developed into at least a prototype stage products that are going to have an impact in fire, EMS, law enforcement, hazardous materials, rescue, uh, public works, um, public utilities, any of those critical infrastructure components that are out there uh, that are considered to be first response. And what they're going to do is they're going to come down to College Station. They're going to give what we call a six-minute speed pitch, which is their whole their whole intent there is to tell uh, the judges what they would do if they were given the opportunity to go out and play on Teex's, uh training facilities. And if you're not familiar with the Teeks training facilities, I urge uh, the listeners to go out and uh, take a look at teeks.org, tee dot O-R-G, and take a look at some of the facilities that we've got out there. Um, somewhere in the neighborhood of about a billion dollars in training facilities out there available to uh, first responders uh, on a daily basis. We're constantly out there training on these things, and these companies are going to have the opportunity to be able to come down here, and in six minutes they've got to prove why they're the best company to move forward and go out the next day and actually produce a demonstration on the fire field in a realistic, or not just the fire field, but all any of the facilities and in a realistic environment that gives them uh, an opportunity to really show what their product and their, or their uh, idea can do out there. And so we're really excited about this. We think we're going to have a lot of really cool technologies. I'm hoping that we don't have to turn too many of them away, but just, you know, logistics and everything else is going to force us to really keep it to 20 companies. Um, so I encourage uh, anybody who might have an op- uh, a prototype or a or an idea or something they can get to prototype uh, by March uh, to take a look at our website at com slash underfire. And there's all the information there of, uh, how to apply and when the deadlines are and everything else. And uh, be ready to uh, come down and show what they've got and really try to find a way uh, to disrupt the industry and, and find ways to make our, our folks safer, more effective, and more efficient.
0: I love it. So they've got six minutes to give a pitch, and there's 20 companies, and let's say they get accepted. What does the cash prize look like, and what does the program, once they get accepted, look like?
1: So the cash prize is going to be progressive. We haven't uh, We haven't exactly lined out what the the progression looks like uh, just yet, but it will be, you know, even the, the 20th company is going to see uh, some benefit from that. And then if if they don't make it to the second group going out to the fire field on the second day, we're still there, – there's going to be opportunity for them to hone their pitches and actually work with subject matter experts from the field that makes the most sense from, for them and be able to talk through – You know what things they can do differently why it may not have been the the best uh, pitch or the best prototype or or what they can do differently um, and really provide them with the resources on that second day that a lot of people normally are having to pay for out there Uh, they're going to get the opportunity to sit down with those smes and and understand more about the industry more about what the real needs of the first responder out there so it's a win-win for everybody. Whether you make it to the second round and you're actually doing a demonstration on the second day or not, uh, everybody's going to have the opportunity to uh, really uh, get out there and, and show what their what their prototype, what their uh, technology can do, and how they can improve the uh, the first response world out there. And uh, and you know, working at Teeks, uh, we've had a lot of opportunities to see some really cool technologies and. This is just another avenue for us to be able to bring those technologies together into one spot where SMEs and and other uh, folks from the industries can see these technologies. You know, it's right at the end of our annual uh, fire school. So we're going to have a lot of folks there uh, at the fire field during those two days where they're going to have the opportunity to be able to see those technologies. So, you know, it's as much about getting it in front of people and seeing what technologies are available out there. And them them taking it back to their their firehouse or their uh, police station or wherever and be able to say you know hey i really saw this cool technology in College Station I think we should do some more research on it and and uh, and get them get their name and their and their product out there into the uh, into the industry.
0: That's really cool and that that's really what we're all about too here with the Smart Firefighting Network in terms of highlighting a lot of these new technologies and. Some of them may not even be market ready, but they they are maybe a year or two away. So even having the opportunity for those companies to connect with some of the the SMEs I think is is invaluable for them. And even other people within the fire industry to, to get them to be aware of these different technologies that whether it's a hardware or software that can come together to bring value to ultimately in the end, our end goal is to bring more value and improve the safety of the firefighter.
1: Yeah, and it's one of the great things about being able to, to be involved with you guys and, and understand um, kind of where you guys are headed with this is it's really a very um, consistent approach in trying to find these new technologies because, you know, the ideas are out there. The people that, that are dealing with this stuff on a day-to-day basis are working with the, the different companies that have the technologies, and we're seeing a lot more opportunity for technologies to come in and really gain a foothold in the industry. And, you know, I think the more that we're able to work together on these kinds of projects, you know, it's, it shows us really where technology can take us and how we can use technology as that tool that we've always needed and not just that cool toy that shows up and uh, everybody's looking at themselves like, hey, what are we going to do with this? You know, you really start to see the, the, the value and the impact of these technologies uh, when we can do a good job of getting them from that idea stage all the way out to uh, the marketplace, so uh, it's been a lot of fun working with you guys and talking to you guys uh, before about different uh, projects and things, and uh, why wow, I was so excited about being able to talk to you today.
0: Fantastic. Well, we feel the same, and we we know that we're we're moving from the time of hey, this is a technology that's as pie in the sky to actually we can really. Utilize the technology to improve the life and safety of a lot of the firefighters out in the field today, and and from the smart firefighting community and teeks, we, we we know that we're just a piece of the puzzle, and we're trying to create more content like this and work with someone like yourself, who is truly a wealth of knowledge and and something we'd love to do more podcasts with you to bring more value to the smart firefighting community here.
1: Well, I appreciate that. You know, I'm always open. I'm 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 uh, all for trying to get on uh and talk about new uh technologies because uh that's really it's been my wheelhouse for a while i've really enjoyed uh getting to work on these uh, really great technologies that are coming forward and i'm excited to to be able to show the folks that i worked with for years uh some of the things that we're working on and and being able to get them into their hands so that they're actually using them out there on a day-to-day basis
0: Fantastic. Well, one last time for our viewers, could you let them know how to get in contact with you or learn more about everything we've talked here today?
1: Absolutely. The easiest way to get a hold of us is to just type into your uh, URL bar, com. And if you want to see the Under Fire uh, application page and the information on that, just put a slash and an under fire after teekstdc.com dot com and uh, they can always uh, there's uh, contact pages there for all of us uh, on the website and uh, we're always looking for new uh, information or new uh, ideas that might be coming down the road and so we we love talking to firefighters and technologists and really everybody in on both sides of the fence uh, to try to see what's out there and what what kind of things we can get into my boss's tagline is burn it break it blow it up and uh, so any opportunity we have to be able to to accomplish one of those three things we get an attaboy for that so i'm always looking for something that we can do one of those three things too so
0: right on well everyone who's anyone that is involved with the fire industry that's looking to break it or blow something up i think they know where to go and uh, you are the right guy and right organization to talk to so again paul thank you so much for your time today and we look forward to more podcasts here in the future Oh, thanks, man. It was my pleasure.